Welcome to Improv Interviews. I'm Margot Escott, psychotherapist and improvisational theater teacher. And on our show, we love speaking with interesting improvisers and therapists who are using improvisation to help others in what is called applied improvisation. Our guest is Kay Ross, a beautiful improviser, teacher, and so many talents that you'll hear about today with Kay's work. I know you'll enjoy listening to Kay as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. Welcome to Improv Interview, Kay Ross. How are you today? Hi, Margo. Nice to be talking to you. It's lovely to have you here, and you're a multi-talented woman, and I'd like to ask you for our listeners that may not be familiar with you yet, a little bit about who you are and where you came from, because I know you were born in Scotland, but now you're in Hong Kong, so how did you get there? Well, via Australia, uh, yes, I was born in Scotland, and my family, it was uh, me and four siblings and mum and dad, migrated to Adelaide in Australia when I was three years old. So I grew up in Adelaide and then in September 1993 for an adventure and challenge and some opportunity I moved to Hong Kong uh, because uh, being born in Scotland meant I have a British passport and I had the right to live and work in Hong Kong before the handover to China and 25 and a half years later I'm still here. And and what was your background? What was during your childhood? Did you want to be an actor when you were growing up? Did, did that happen early when, on? When I was 11 years old, my ambition was to become a neurosurgeon. Ah. <laughs> Fascinated by the brain. And I think since then I've realised that I'm actually fascinated by the mind and how we think, technology. And I think that's what got me into the career in marketing. Uh, I actually majored in French at university because that was my best subject at school. I loved it. <laughs> um, so I had no, no idea then what job I would do. I would do. Um, and I was very lucky. My first proper full-time job after university was a one-year apprenticeship in arts administration in an arts and cultural centre in Adelaide. Um, I uh, helped to organise a whole, whole year-long series of community arts activities and concerts and events and arty, crafty activities. And as part of that, I started to learn about marketing because I had to write media releases. And so that led to a career in the field of arts administration and marketing and working in uh, with arts and tourism festivals and uh, government music. The Adelaide Festival Fringe, which is like the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, so yeah, I study marketing, but I was fascinated, fascinated by the way they do, uh, why they buy or don't buy things. And so that sort of became my career uh, and working with many different kinds of organisations. Um, and that's still what I do a lot of, I write and edit. English language marketing content here in Hong Kong uh, and teach workshops about marketing and uh, business storytelling, uh, how to use storytelling in marketing uh, and also using my 
acting and in helping people to be more confident public speakers. Now, did you start acting as a young person, or when did you get the acting bug? Okay, young. Teenage years. I was a theater company in Adelaide, and we met with Adelaide with professional actors as our teachers, and uh, I, I was involved in the school choir, um, performed in um, Gilbert and Sullivan musical and a, a theater show at, at, at university at high school and university. Um, so yes, I've been I've been performing since I was a teenager, and, and I love it. Well, well, oh, I'm sure you're a great actor. When did you get introduced to improv, and who are some of the people you studied with? Well, I had a little bit of an exposure to improv because I studied a year of drama at university in Adelaide, uh, but I didn't actually start performing regularly until I came to Hong Kong. Uh, I actually performed stand-up comedy for a while. And then uh, I started attending performances and then rehearsals with a local English language improv troupe called People's Liberation Improv. And love, it. love that name, People's Liberation Improv. Improv, yes. And so I joined them, that's well, 11 years ago now, and I've been performing with them ever since, uh, with a, a change in membership as people leave Hong Kong and new people arrive. Uh, and so I still perform. That's and lovely. I, I, as very quickly after I started performing and, and started working in Tom with them, I realised that the principles and mindset of improv are actually useful off stage as well. And then I realised, I learned that I wasn't the only person to think that. I wasn't the first person to think that, and that there were lots of people around the world who do this thing called applied improvisation. Uh, so I started studying that and learning that and connecting with people around the world in that community, the Applied Improvisation Network. And I attended the various conferences of the Applied Improvisation Network. Uh, and then I started offering my services as an Applied Improvisation facilitator and trainer for in Hong Kong and around Asia. Uh, and uh, universities and non-profit organizations, community organizations. Uh, so I, I do that as well uh, as part of my business because I'm self-employed. Um, and then also combined with all of that, I, I'm passionate about personal development and healing. I have been you know, for about 30 years now. And so in that, Field, I, I trained in a bodywork, energy work methodology, hands-on bodywork methodology called Body Harmony. Mm -hmm. And um, then, let's see, since August 2013, I had this brainwave, this idea one day, called The Playground of Possibilities. The Playground of Possibilities. And I thought, oh, and I immediately thought, oh yes, I want a deck of cards with 52 questions for people to ask, for us to ask for me as well. And it's all about transforming and letting go of your old limiting thoughts and beliefs and stories about yourself and the world and choosing more useful ones and improvising resourceful ways of being.
So for me, that combines all of my interests. It's the storytelling, it's the, the healing, it, the body work, the healing work, and the improv. And it's a lovely mix. Uh, attached to, the, to, to our podcast today, there's going to be links to your work so people can see. Um, I know that some of your participants in um, uh, the play uh, workshops, one of your persons in terms of playground possibilities, actually deck of cards. It's very clever. And um, one of the participants in your workshop said that she said, thank you. Your cards are amazing, Kay opening my mind and heart to many possibilities and putting me in the right frame of mind, positive mindset. Yes. That's a lovely thought and compliment, I think, to your work. Comments I've had from people around the world. So um, after I had that idea about creating a project, I actually procrastinated for a while in research and procrastinated some more and I made a handmade one prototype deck and then eventually did a crowdfunding campaign to get an initial print printed and that was it. Uh, and yes, I, I did a workshop, I've created a workshop called Life is a Playground of Possibilities, where I use the card deck and some improvisational games and some mindfulness processes as well. Um, and you share and you share those thoughts every day on the various Facebook groups that you and I belong to, including AIN and other groups. And I can't quite, I, I've got yours for today, but I can't quite quote it, uh, I could paraphrase. But do you remember what you put up today? Today was about what would be possible for me and the world, because every question starts with the phrase, what would be possible for me if I did something about my behavior? And so yes, I posted, I, there's 52 cards in the card deck, and I keep coming up with new questions today, basically what's happening in life. So today's question was something like, what would be possible for me in the world if I sent pictures of love, joy, gratitude, um, and forgiveness out into the world? Yeah. What are the positive possibilities? Wonderful. Yeah. What would be possible is kind of like, what if, and that's something we do in improv. What if, if this is possible, then what if this was possible? And it goes on and on. And, and your work is really brilliant. And it brought you to the um, Applied Improv Network uh, conference in Montreal in 2015. 2015, yes. I went to that wonderful conference and I actually presented my workshop there twice um, with improvisers and they loved it. And we did uh, a variation, my variations on a couple of well-known improv games. One of them is New Choice, and one of them is The Story Spine by Ken Adams. Um, so yes, um, maybe we can have a go at one of those. Would you like to do one of them now? We can do the New Choice game now. Absolutely, because that, I, I do want to comment that the New Choice, the way you uh, teach it, well, let's do it first and then I'll comment. Yes, okay. So. For your listeners who may not be familiar with it, they might know it by another game, another name. Uh, it's the improv game where two players are playing a scene and the third person off stage at any point can call out new choice. And the person who just spoke has to change the line that they just said. So I've adapted that to fit in with the ideas of the playground of possibilities. And the idea is that you think of a true limiting thought or belief in the story have about yourself 
and you can reveal as much or as little as you want. It doesn't have to be your deepest, darkest secret. Um, and then we play in pairs. So this is not a performance game. Right. It's people play together in pairs. And one person is simply the listener. Well, the states their true limiting thought or belief or story about themselves. And the other person says, and it can be one, two, three, four times in a row. And the speaker then has to change their old limiting thought or belief or story into something more useful, more resourceful. And what I find is the first thing that the person says is usually the logical, grammatical opposite of their sentence, their statement. But we can dig deeper, we can delve deeper and say new choice again. And they can tweak the wording so that they eventually come up with something that feels really powerful and resonant for them. And the listener's job is also to notice the speaker's physiology, how, how, they, how they're standing, the tone of voice, their, their confidence, their relationship, their gravity, their facial expressions, their gestures. And also the listener noticing what's happening in their own body. Do they really feel the new statement landing in their gut, in their heart? And so for me, when I practice that for myself, and I do that myself, if I catch myself thinking a critical and loving thought about myself, I say to myself out loud, even if I'm walking down the street outdoors, I'll say it to myself out loud. I say, new choice. And I think of a useful statement. And for me, the most common limiting thought that I have, and that I know many, many people have told me they have as well, is the old <clears throat> not good enough thought about myself. Are you familiar with that one in your work, as a, with what you do, the social work and everything you do, the healing work? So I figured out, I experimented with several different revised versions of that. And the version that, come, that I came up with that really, really works for me is when I say to myself, and I stand in a powerful pose, and I say to myself, I know in my bones that I'm good enough. And every time I say that, even now, I can feel tingle through my whole body. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. There's something called... As a psychotherapist, I use something called cognitive behavioral therapy, where people mm -hmm. examine their thoughts and they get to learn thoughts that might be irrational, like saying the word never or mm -hmm. always or the word should. There's various little trigger words. And so new choice is a wonderful game to use in my classes with people with anxiety, which is often because of their thoughts. And it's just a brilliant idea. And I really love it. And there's a link to the game as well. Yes. Uh -huh. And I think that the other thing, and I teach this as well, and I'm sure you do, is the impact of words. For example, mm. if I talk about a lemon and I cut the lemon and I take a bite out of the lemon, many people start to pucker up or salivate because words yes. are so powerful. And so imagine the words that we say to ourselves. And mm. New Choice is a great game to bring different thoughts into our mind, different aspects of how we see ourselves so it's, it's just brilliant i just love that i really I'm a person i'm a writer and editor copywriter and editor so i i can take existing marketing content and do my editing on it and just transform it into something that works better so i know the power of words 
So I want to get back to body work because, you know, a lot of people, we're in our heads. Uh, there's a connection between mindfulness and improvisational theater games. Mm -hmm. And the importance of the body can't be understated. And right. you, uh, tell me a little bit more about some of the body work, because you've studied many different types of body work, and we want to talk about the mindful Wing Chun as well. Yes, yes. Well, the main methodology I've studied is, I mentioned it's called body harmony, body harmony. And that is about, the, the idea behind that is, well, like any kind of body work, it's all about energy. Ultimately, it's about energy. And it's looking at how do your thoughts and beliefs and stories, your decisions about yourself, the conclusions you've made about yourself and the world from a very young age, are stored not just in your brain, in your memory, but literally in every cell, in, in your physical body, in your whole body. So they're stored and expressed through your physical body. And so it's about how, how do you inhabit your body? How does your posture and your breathing and your relationship to gravity affect the way you're feeling and thinking? And how do, how do you come across to other people? You might have physical things that you do or tics or habits, things you do with your body that you're not even aware of. But everybody else can see that your shoulders are really tense and you just think that's normal because you've been doing it for 40 years. Right. Um, so it's also about tapping into the resourceful places in your body, the places in your body where you feel calm and, and at ease and flexible and happy and resourceful. So it's not just the so-called bad things. It's how can you tap into, oh, you know, my, my left foot feels really happy. So I can transfer some of that energy into my right knee for me at the moment, my, I injured my right knee two months ago, I fell over and broke my kneecap, and it's still here. So I can transfer happy, resourceful, flexible energy to my right knee. And so in body, we look at what is it that people want, some, some issues going on in their, in their life, what do they want? And how can they use their body more resourcefully to get what they want, be what they want in life? Yeah. So it's actually hands-on work. It's not massage. Right. And it's Reiki. It's like but it's, Reiki. It's, it's like Reiki. No, it's, it's, well, it's energy work, but it's not Reiki. Right, right, it's, right. We call it conscious touch. So it's, it's very consciously and mindfully connecting with whether it's somebody's elbow or their their shoulder or their right big toe and listening with all of our senses and just very, very respectfully holding the tissue and bringing the person's awareness to that part of their body and exploring well, how does the energy move here? How does the fluid want to move or is it blocked or is it is it how does it think? What is the emotion stored in this part of the tissue? And then just, again, just very, very respectfully holding it and holding it and maybe sending a little pulse of energy through it to see, well, where does that energy want to go or not? 
And there might be a little bit of talking involved, but it's not psychotherapy at all. Right, 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 right. It's totally about bringing the person's awareness into what's happening in your body right now, physically and emotionally. Not, not what happened when you were three years old, but right, right, right. what's happening in your body right now and how can you connect to that and uh, somehow, yeah, somehow in that process, the mental and emotional issue that's stored in the tissue can unwind. That's beautiful work because the body's so important and we get so disconnected. And yeah. I do a lot of body uh, exercises in my own improv classes. So it's just so lovely what you're doing. Um, yeah. You sent me a link to something called Mindful Wing Chun. Chun? And it's a, such a beautiful uh, form of movement. Yes. And it's, I guess it's a, is it considered a martial art or what is it considered? Yes. It's a Chinese martial art. Um, um, Bruce Lee practiced Wing Chun as a Chinese martial art. And there's a variation on that called Mindful Wing Chun. There's a small school here in Hong Kong that teaches it, that I've been going to. And the, the emphasis there is certainly there's, there's, there's a form of movements and sequence of movements that we learn. And we practice sparring, kicking and punching. But the emphasis is not on fighting and kicking and punching. The emphasis is totally on the mindfulness aspect. And being exquisitely aware of how your body is moving, in particular the spine. They keep on saying, relax, relax, relax the spine. So it's a very counterintuitive way of using the body and the muscles. So when we're moving and, and kicking and sparring with each other or, or punching, it's not about using muscular energy to move the arms or the legs. It's about really going inside and paying attention to, well, how does the shoulder joint move in order that my arm, how does my leg, how does my knee move so that I can use my leg? Um, and also bringing the attention back to this, always bringing the attention back to the spine and relaxing and relaxing so that you're, I mean, I weigh 100 pounds. But with this technique, Someone who's as small as me, and I'm five feet tall, can use my energy much more effectively and generate energy in my body and direct it much more effectively than if I were just to punch someone with my force. Yeah. So luckily I haven't had to use it in a back with someone. But what I discovered very quickly like I did with improv, is that the principles and mindset of how we do that, mindful Wing Chun, are very useful in life, even if I never want to actually have a physical fight with someone. And so I suggested to the teachers at that school that I, I want to offer a workshop for the students there, the adults, about how the principles and mindset of improv could help them with their mindful Wing Chun practice. And they said yes. So I've done that and the people really loved it. Um, because we played some improv games and they could definitely see how that is applicable to, to their mindful wing chun practice. Yeah. So um, let's go back to another very helpful game for people who have those kinds of thoughts that are hurtful because most people, unfortunately, suffer anxiety today. It used to be depression and sadness I saw in my practice. 
but with the events in this country and around the world, anxiety yeah. is the big thing. So um, story spine, can you explain how you teach story spine? Yes, well, the story spine was devised uh, by Ken Adams, an improviser, and it's basically the quintessential storytelling structure of, of eight sentences, which goes something like this in order. So eight sentences, eight phrases to start eight sentences. So it's once upon a time and every day until one day and because of that and because of that and because of that until finally and ever since then. So eight sentences. And that's a really good practice exercise for improvisers about storytelling and, and to use in shows as well in storytelling. What I've done is I've adapted that and I did this at the workshop in Montreal as well. So it's an exercise for a group of people in a circle where one brave volunteer agrees to stand in the middle and tell us a limiting thought or belief or story they have about themselves. Um, let's Peter for the sake of this exercise. Peter stands in the middle of the circle and tells us his true limiting thought or belief or story about himself. And anyone in the circle who chooses to start will start the story by saying, once upon a time, Peter believed, blah, 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 whatever his true limiting thought or belief or story was that he just said. And then we just go around the circle one person at a time, one sentence at a time, using that eight-sentence structure. And finishing with since then and the story develops so that by the end by the time it gets to the final sentence we've transformed his old story into a new more resourceful more joyful useful story for peter and the whole time just standing in the center listening receive our gift and the storytellers make up this they're improvising even if they don't know Peter at all or very well. And the times that I've played that, like at the workshop in Montreal with improvisers, it was absolutely magical what happened, how somehow the group came up with a beautiful story as a gift Peter in the centre of the circle. Uh, that, yeah. lovely. Let me ask you, when you set up the game, do you, yes. do you coach about turning the story around or do you just kind of <clears throat> yes. say you're going to start with a limiting belief and you're going to continue the story? So you actually... I, do, I do say that, you know, we want, we want the story to transform into something positive. Okay. okay. What that's going to be, I don't know. No, no, nobody knows. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I use story spine a lot. I have laminated slips of paper with my people with Parkinson's and other neuro disorders. And I'm going yes. to really start trying your way that learned something i've learned several things by studying uh -huh. your case so it's really marvelous that give and take we have in this field yeah. it's great and i remember the second time we did it in montreal it just it just really felt like there was this energy in the space we were outdoors in a park sitting next to a next to a playground and and somehow it just felt like everybody was divinely inspired it was just that we tapped into the collective unconscious to create this new story yeah That's yeah beautiful. what an experience so you've had wonderful experiences with so 
a lot of us have to have a day job to support our improv work sometimes. So you yeah. already have a career that you're very active in. And yes. you, you've done some great writing. I was looking at the, um, the blog um, uh, about the power of what if, uh, questions in an improv mindset, lovely writing there. And we'll have the link to that as well. Are you working on anything right now? Uh, hmm. uh, about improv, uh, not particularly, but I guess my discipline and joy every morning is to write a question for the playground. Yeah. And I post a question. Sometimes I use a question from the existing card deck, which is, uh, which I published in December, 2017. Um, and sometimes it'll be a completely new question that just occurred to me that morning. Um, so yeah, that's my daily discipline is to post a new question. Well, yeah. I, when I wake up in the morning and I see what you've written, it's even though I don't respond to it, a little embarrassed to share myself, right? On oh. the line. Um, but it's like a little meditation. It's time to think and absorb and you know, what if, and uh -huh. uh, it's just a lovely contribution that you're making, Kay. It's really quite beautiful. I, every day I post that, there's a Facebook group called uh, Mental Awareness and How Improv May Help. How Im and How Improv Can Help, yeah. Gris Wilmer, yes. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I put a question on there as well, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's so many lovely groups. I met you through our Facebook connections, but there's so many lovely groups on Facebook to connect with people who are doing various things with improvisation. So uh, you're not going to the uh, AIN conference this year, but no, not this year, no, no, I think with, with my injured knee, a 16 hour flight to New York would be a bit difficult. Yeah, I think it would be too. But what are your plans for the future? Do you have anything going up or? Uh, well, I want to keep doing my workshop and uh, I'd love to do more uh, the, the workshop I call it Life is a Playground of Possibilities and I'd love to do that in other places around the world if people want to invite me um, and yes I'd love to attend future AIN workshops um, at some point I don't know when but you know at some point I probably will leave Hong Kong uh, especially given the unpleasant things that are happening here at the moment um, we've had some um, protest marches and uh, I don't know if you've been following that in the news. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah. so, yeah, you know, at some point, I, I'm sure I will leave Hong Kong, but where to yet, where to next, I don't know yet. Uh -huh. Isn't that beautiful? Life is full of opportunities, and who knows where you'll land, and uh, that mm -hmm. is fantastic. Well, mm -hmm. I have really enjoyed getting to know you better today, Kay, and again, your work is so lovely. And I love the yes and uh, philosophy we follow in improv. And do you have any yes and story or antidote you could share as we? Oh, from my own life? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess when I decided to move here to Hong Kong in September 1993, that was definitely a yes and decision. Um, I first heard about the, the opportunity. I didn't come here with a job. To come to i just came to see what would happen and uh and i just said yes to the universe said okay i'll go and knowing that i had the right to live and work here at that time and i had some friends and i thought well 
let's go and see what happens. And if I don't like it, I'll go somewhere else. No big deal. Yeah. That's a and yeah. when I told my friends in Adelaide that I was planning to move to Hong Kong, several of them came up to me and whispered in my ear. They said, oh, you're so brave. I could never do that. I wish I could do that. Yeah. That's lovely. That's a wonderful adventure story. Well, again, we're going to be sharing links to your work and some videos that you have. And yes. uh, have a fantastic evening, Kay. And, thank you. And uh, again, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Margot. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you.